right, you absolute legends, welcome back to another episode of A Need to Read. Thank you so much for joining me today. As always, forever grateful for those of you that come to me for your recommendations and some unsolicited life advice. It means a lot and it makes me feel special. This episode is going to be on the book called Make Time by Jake Knapp and John Zaretsky. Two blokes who used to work in Silicon Valley, one for Google, one for YouTube. So they know a little bit about how to pull your attention away from what matters to you. Whereas this book is actually the antidote to that. And it's more about making time for what matters to you so that you can lead a happier and more fulfilling life. Which, I mean, hopefully I'm not alone in this, but that's what I want. I've already made some changes in my life from reading this book. So if you get it, please let me know what changes you make because it'd be quite interesting. There are 87 sort of speaking points in this book which you could make changes from. So it'll be interesting to see how different people do it. Don't be afraid to drop me an email at aneedtoread.podcast at gmail.com or just let me know on Instagram at aneedtoread with the number two and not the word. But before we get into the episode, just a quick word from the sponsor of the podcast. So the podcast, as always, is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp, you should probably know by now, provide a therapy service to millions of people all over the world online. It's a super quick and easy way to get access to a therapist. You'll be matched within 48 hours of completing the questionnaire on their website. If you don't like the therapist you match with, don't worry about it. You can change it free of charge. Therapy is one of those things that has helped me so much in my personal development journey. I've been going to therapy now for just over two years and I am so annoyed that I didn't go sooner. Therapy has improved my communication. It's helped me setting boundaries with people. It's helped me understand my own emotions and helped me ultimately understand what I want in life, which is kind of important. So if you're finding yourself at a dead end and you really need to speak to someone and your friend's advice aren't just cutting it anymore, then head to betterhelp.com forward slash need to read and you'll get 10% off your first month of online therapy. But with that being said, let's get in to the review. So first and foremost, and almost most importantly, I need to tell you that this book has got pictures in it and pictures in books, I can't explain to you how happy that makes me. Because having a visual cue of kind of like what it is you're reading about, I don't know if it's just the type of learner that I am, but it just makes me happy. If you're one of those people that likes picture books, it's not got that many pictures in it, but it has a few in there, so that might just tickle your pickle. Obviously, that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is your time and your attention. And innately maybe inherently was the word I needed to use there. We're quite selfish beings. But for some reason, with our attention, we just hand it out willy-nilly. We hand it to people who email us, people who WhatsApp us, people who want to send us a like on Instagram. Oh my God, I sounded like a grandma then. People who want to like stuff on Instagram, send us a message, anything like that. We hand our attention away as if it's not worth anything. And trust me when I say this, your attention is the most valuable thing you have. And it comes back to like meditation and stuff like that. Like you're training your attention with that. And that's why it's really important. So this book is essentially a framework for choosing what you want to focus on. It also goes into like building the energy to do that. And making sure that you can sort of just break the default cycles that we're stuck in as human beings. Technology has advanced an insane amount 
in the last like 10, 20 years, especially if you look over the last 100 years. I'm pretty sure if you drop someone from 1910 in 2021, they would think that they'd landed in an alien planet. I know we're not quite as advanced as we'd like to be. Our cars don't fly and float and we haven't got like hoverboards and stuff like that properly yet. And there's shitty ones with wheels. But things have progressed way too fast for us as human beings. And now we just live in a world where everyone wants your attention and they get it off you because they know the psychology of it. And it sucks. And we just play into the hands of these big conglomerate people with tech. And there's nothing we can really do about it. But that's where this book comes in. Like I said, Jake Knapp and John Zaretsky, the people who wrote the book, used to work for YouTube, used to work for Google. So they know all about nabbing your attention. They know all about how to keep you on the same page, how to keep you click and refresh. They know so much about attention, it's scary. The people in Silicon Valley are the ones that control the world. I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist here, but they literally do. You ever look at Instagram and there's an ad, it's like, what? I want that, but I didn't even know that I want that. I get that all the time. I'm a sucker for Instagram ads. But let's just talk about the book. Stop me digressing. So I have a new way of making notes now on books that I'm reading, just essentially so that I can provide a more comprehensive overview for you guys that very kindly give me your attention and listen to me on this podcast. And one of the things is who should read it. And I genuinely think this is one of those books that everyone should read, especially those people who tend to work harder than they should, especially if you're one of those people who just sits down to relax and it's like, oh my God, I feel so guilty. Why am I not doing anything? If you're one of those like productivity pervs, productivity pervs, that's what I'm going to say. One of those people who just love doing stuff. And you sometimes you're just doing stuff for the sake of doing it. I would put myself in that category and it sucks because it, do, it doesn't help you actually relax. So if you're one of those people, then you need to be reading this book. I also say, what changes do I make um, from from reading this? So I'm going to come back to that at the end. Um, but basically, a summary of the book for me, very quickly, and this isn't going to be the end of the podcast, is that basically make time is not about mastering productivity so you can do more. It's literally about creating space within your day so you can do the things that are important to you. And it focuses on four main ideas. So when they're combined, they can create a day that leaves you feeling fulfilled and at best, a little bit happier. And there's 87 ways in which you can experiment with yourself in how to do that. So I'll run through a couple of those now once I've gone through the main premise of the book. So obviously you know the main premise is about putting your attention where it matters. And at the start of the book, they talk about these two things that we fall prey to every day. And they're the busy bandwagon and infinity pools. So the busy bandwagon is essentially the hustle culture, the productivity perfs, the people that want you to be doing all the time. And don't ever forget, we are human beings, not human doings. Um, I'll credit Lucy Lord for that one, but um, maybe she got it from somewhere else. Maybe it was Eckhart Tolle. Don't know. But shout out Lucy Lord. Buy a book, Food for the Soul. Not an ad, just a mate. So the busy bandwagon is just this wholesale culture. We're, we're sucked into it. We're doing stuff all the time. And then when we leave the busy bandwagon, when we finally manage to get off, we jump into infinity pools. And infinity pools are stuff that will never stop overflowing. You will never complete an infinity pool. You will never reach the end of the content sphere. That is like Twitter. Instagram, YouTube, Netflix. You just go from one part of being busy to another form of being busy, and that is shit. And they talk about um, 
something that's quite funny. You know when you you're speaking to someone, you're like, "Oh, how are you doing?" They go, "Yeah, busy." That is not an adequate answer to "How are you?" Yeah, busy. No. Are you good? Are you bad? Are you sad? Are you rad? That is an answer. Not busy. But we all seem to be so fucking busy all the time. And it's mad. Since reading this book, I am putting so much focus on being less busy. And it makes me feel really, really uncomfortable. And I should expect that if you read this book as well, and you try to slow down a little bit, and you try to not be so busy, it's going to be uncomfortable for you as well. But that just goes to show how dire the situation is. That just sitting and being is uncomfortable for us. That sucks. So that's kind of the premise of the book, is an antidote of that. The main focus of your day should be a highlight, according to uh, Jake and John, who wrote the book. And the highlight is essentially a single aim of your day. And I've been doing this in journaling for a while, um, from something my therapist taught me of my towards move. It's the, the one thing you can do to feel accomplished at the end of the day that moves you towards a goal or behaviour change that you're working on. But in this book, they call it the highlight. And it's just like you'll feel accomplished if you do it. So for me today, it was recording this podcast. And believe me when I say this, I've been sat here for about three hours trying to actually force myself to sit down and, and do it. And I want to do it. As human beings, we are crazy. We don't even want to do the stuff that we want to do. So when you write something down in the morning and you make it your sole sort of focus for the day, of course you can do other things, but it's just going to be that one thing that makes you feel like you've had an okay day. So maybe you've got a long day at work and your sole, like your highlight for the day will be going for a walk after work or going for a walk before work or some form of activity that you enjoy. So it's like, right, when it's your highlight time, you're not meant to have any distractions. For me, my highlight time most days is writing my book because I, like, I shouldn't be distracted within that time. It's an hour of time that I dedicate each day to writing the book and I still get distracted and it sucks. Once again, being human is pretty lame. I was saying this morning I'd actually way prefer to be a dog. Dogs seem way happier than humans. They don't have to have a daily highlight. They just get to chase balls and have a good time. So when it comes to your highlight, Make that really important. Set boundaries with other people. So manage your calendar, even if it is just blocking out time as like me time. When you work out sort of what your highlight is, learn to say no to other people who are like, oh yeah, but you're only just doing that for yourself. So like, oh, I've got to walk at lunch. And they're like, oh, that doesn't matter, does it? It's like, actually, no, it does. It matters to me. So learning to say no because you're busy for you is going to be super important, even just in general life, not just around um, your highlight. If you're one of those people who struggles to get in things that are important for you in the day, then you may not like what I'm about to say here, but you've got to become a morning person. I love my mornings because I get up about half four or five o'clock and I haven't trained myself to do that. Luckily, I'm quite naturally an early riser and I do go to bed about nine, half nine nowadays, but nobody distracts me at that time. It's just me versus me. It is me versus however I want to procrastinate. And hopefully the me who just wants to do work or do nice things or read a little bit or chill out, hopefully that person wins. But often, sometimes it doesn't. So 
obviously please don't listen to this and think that I'm one of those magical people that gets up and doesn't get distracted. I always fall prey for the infinity pools and the busy bandwagon. But since reading this book, I've been a little bit more aware of it, which has been quite important. So if you're going to become a morning person, let me give you some advice. Buy a Lumi alarm clock. It's a sunrise alarm clock and it wakes you up naturally with a little bit of light. And if the light hasn't woken you up, you can choose a load of different sounds. Uh, you can choose sounds like goats, which is a random one. You can choose birds. You can choose like a rainforest sound. It's generally quite a relaxing way to wake up. And I think if you just do it for a month, your circadian rhythm, your body clock should shift. That's what they say in the book anyway, so don't shoot the messenger. But try and be a morning person because then the morning can be your own. And obviously, if you're a parent, and I'm being really ignorant here, and that's just not how it works, and I apologise. Um, I can only work with what I've got. So make sure that you have a highlight in your day. If we would say that the highlight was your offence in terms of making time for things that matter, laser, the second phase of making time, is your defence. This is essentially where you create barriers around your highlight. So you're more likely to focus when it matters on your highlight. And you're more likely to get it done without having your attention pulled away. And this is where it comes into things that I've changed recently, is managing the notifications on your phone. We as humans, we just love the default. And when you've got your iPhone or your Android or whatever other phone you've got, you you just got given the default settings. And you probably haven't changed them when it comes to notifications. If you remember in the last episode how it's changed, talking about the doctors in the US who managed to save the hospital 17 million in fines just by putting in an extra layer of work above the default for them to prescribe like expensive medications. If you haven't listened to it, go back because I can't explain it in full right now because I can't fully remember it, but I will work on that. My memory, that is. So we're working on laser focus and we need to get away from the defaults. So how many notifications have you got on your phone? If I can give you one piece of advice that will make your life way better, is turn off Instagram notifications and turn off email notifications. Because emails replace letters. Letters used to take weeks to get to places or days. Emails, you can still reply to them a day later. It doesn't matter. I'm now trying to think where I reply the next day to emails so that I'm in control of my inbox. I'm in control of when I reply. I'm in control of when I give people my attention. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, like my attention is really important to me and no one else gives a fuck about it. And that should be the same same for you guys as well. So just have a look at the notifications on your phone, the ones that come up the most. When you have a look at your screen time, look at the apps that you're on the most and try and turn off the notifications for it. Even with WhatsApp, I'm trialing that, which is uncomfortable. But with WhatsApp, just put it in your like bio, like, oh, if it's urgent, can you call me? on normal phone not whatsapp and and that's a, that's a way around it at least try notifications off completely for 24 hours and see how uncomfortable it makes you and then you'll just see once again sort of how dire the situation is when it comes to your mornings if you're going to try and become a morning person skip the morning scroll the amount of times that I go on Instagram to just like post a story or do a post in the morning and then like half an hour later I'm like who knows what Instagram I'm on but I haven't reached the bottom of it because it's an infinity pool 
there is nothing you'll see in the morning that you won't be able to see in the evening and honestly it's not going to be that important unless it's one of my posts which of course you would like straight away just out of support for your boy um so yeah skip the morning scroll is one of their little chapters in there it's quite important become a fair weather fan it was a weird weird little chapter this one but i like the concept of it because I've kind of gone through it already. I used to support Chelsea Football Club. I now could not care less about football. But I used to spend so much time looking at news, looking at transfer gossip, looking at highlights, looking at player interviews. And honestly, I would say maybe 50 minutes of my time at work, I'd be on Sky News looking at stuff. That was 50 minutes every single day. It's rounded up to an hour a day, seven hours a week. That's one day of my month. I'm just looking at sports news of people who don't even know that I exist, which now I look back, I'm like, oh, that is really sad. I wish someone had told me that that was really lame. So become a Fairweather fan. Go see him once a year. Go see him twice a year. If you enjoy going to see him, go and see him at the time, but then be there. You don't need to keep up with like the drama of the players. It's, it's, not, it's not your business. Another thing, so when you're in the zone, when you're in a highlight, and I think the highlight, like I said about it being walks earlier, it it's probably more focused at like a creative outlet, which I would suggest trying to get into, by the way, because having creative outlets is really fun and it's it's fulfilling. But make a random question list. I've deleted Google, I've deleted Chrome, I've deleted Safari off of my phone because so often I'll be like, oh, I need to know something. Oh, let me just quickly Google it. And it's just, it's pointless. And then you go down another rabbit hole. So make a random question list. So the things that you want to know during the day, just jot them down. And then when it can't, when the time comes at the end of the day to go through it, just have a quick Google. And probably most of the time you'll realise that you don't even care about that question anymore. Slash, it's just not ever going to be relevant. Don't watch the news. It's another one of them. I'm a big advocate for that. The news is pretty terrible. Um, nothing good ever happens on the news, I'm pretty sure. So what's the point in watching it? Revamping your homepage on your phone, you have to essentially design your apps so that you're not drawn into the bad ones straight away. And I would even suggest logging out of your social media apps when you're not on them because it puts an extra barrier in the way for when you want to be distracted. It's when you're meant to be in the zone and you get that little itch of like, yeah, but what if, what if someone's liked something or what if someone's messaged me, even though you know they probably haven't, at least then you'd have to log in and you'd get to that point and be like, oh, silly, what am I doing? I better get back to work. It's all about creating barriers that get in the way. And that's it for the laser. The last bit, not the last bit, there is the last part of the four parts of the book is called Reflect. Um, that is a not very long part and it's quite self-explanatory, but I will explain it anyway later. The third part is about Energize. And essentially, it's about living as if you're a little bit more prehistoric. They introduce you to a man called Urk in the book. He is a Neanderthal kind of character who lives in a cave, goes to bed when the sun goes down and wakes up when the sun goes up and he probably has a better life than all of us, even even though he doesn't have an iPhone or Amazon Prime or Deliveroo. Probably has a way better life, way happier, way more fulfilled. I often think about that, that when times are simpler, maybe we'd be happier. Sure, like I might trip up, roll my ankle, and that would be me dead. But it would be quite nice not to have to bother with 
social media, it would be quite nice not to have to bother with cars. It'd be quite nice to know that, like, yeah, I'm just here. There's there's no grass is greener when you're just somewhere and you're stuck there. Maybe that is a foolish way to think, but I think about it a lot. So maybe that makes me a fool. Anyway, let's talk about nature. Nature, if I'm not in it, it makes me sad. I'm living in London at the moment, and if I'm honest, I don't rate it that much. Like, I think it's all right as a city, but I don't think I like cities. I think I like the countryside. And a 2008 study that was done at Michigan University in the States, because pretty much all the studies were done in the States when you're reading books by US authors, they did a cognitive um, test on a bunch of people. One set walked in cities, one set walked in nature. The people who walked within the nature performed 20% better on the cognitive tasks. So basically, if you're in nature, it makes you smarter. That's my conclusion, and that's why I'm not paid to be a scientist. But if you can, each day, energise yourself by going out in nature, be around trees, hug trees if you want to. I, I, I can guarantee there is someone somewhere trying to tell you that there is science in hugging trees to the energy transfer. So maybe give it a go. Make those people happy. It might be worth it. One other thing in the book that I'm a big advocate for is making your bedroom into a bedroom. I took my TV out of my bedroom in March last year, I think when we went into lockdown, because I was like, I know for a fact I'm just going to sit in here and watch TV and rot if I don't take it out of it. So I took my TV out of the bedroom. I now don't have my phone in my bedroom, and it is a more... Is it a better experience? It's uncomfortable to begin with, but it does it does make a difference to your like general mood, and you can't just wake up and see that someone's texting you saying... Oh, you're a prick. Maybe people don't do that. But if they do, at least you won't be able to see it until you've left your bedroom. And it, it talks about like lights, your circadian rhythm. Your circadian rhythm, if you didn't know about it, it's essentially your wake-sleep cycle. So when you're exposed to light in the morning, it kicks in your circadian rhythm and your hormones go off, cortisol, the one that wakes you up, which I'll come back to in a moment. And then when the sun goes down, your... Um, melatonin kicks in and that makes you sleepy if you've got bright white lights in your bedroom and they're the ones that are on like and then you shut them off and then you try and go to sleep your brain's like wired just before you go to sleep i've got a little reading light in my room now i got it for 12 quid off amazon it is like a low light i'm trying to think of the word it's not blue light basically and it's great, like I just turn that on, I don't have to see any bright lights, it gets me, it gets me slowing down before I go to sleep, basically, and that goes the same for like watching TV, so don't just like watch the TV, turn it off, go straight to bed, because your brain's still wired, because of all that blue light that you're getting in, I'm not too convinced with blue light blockers, whether they work or not, but they might be worth trying, even if it's a placebo, I suppose, placebo works and then comes to when you wake up in the morning and you're trying to energize yourself i've stopped having caffeine first thing in the morning because like i said a second ago about the cortisol your cortisol should wake you up quite sufficiently until at least like 10 a.m and then you have your first coffee 
And then you wait a bit and then you have like your last coffee, probably no later than like 2 p.m. Because the half-life of caffeine is about five or six hours. So 2 p.m. by 8 p.m., half the caffeine is still in your system. And that's not good for your sleep time, especially if you're like me and you go to bed at 9 p.m. I don't want to have caffeine in my system as I'm going to sleep. When it comes to mastering your energy and like sufficiently nourishing your brain, let me just give a shout out to a new partner of a need to read who are Heights. Heights is like an all-in-one brain care supplement. Taking that in the morning as opposed to my morning coffee has actually given me a shift in the energy that I can produce naturally. And I say naturally because it's essentially nothing more than a multivitamin. And yeah, it's a little bit more expensive than your standard multivitamins. But they did a test and I think it's like 130 quid if you were to combine all of those multivitamins and minerals that they include if you were to buy them individually or try and source them elsewhere. So they've done a good job with that. Um, Look, I am partnered with them now. Obviously, I use it. I like it. If I'm partnered with anything, I think it's cool and I think it's helpful. So if you want to try it out, go to their website. There's a link in my description. Um, There's a link on the link, link, link tree. The code is need to read with the number two. That gets you 10% off of any subscription. Now, if you bite the bullet and you just pay 90 quid for three months up front after the first month and you're not enjoying it or not get, not feeling any of the benefits, you can get your money back. So that's a positive thing. But also, if you pay 90 quid over three months, let's look at the positives. It's a pound a day and you legit feel better. I don't think I'm smarter just yet, but I feel like my sleep is better and I feel like I'm a little bit more focused, and those two are wins for me, and there's been a slight reduction in anxiety, Um, I'll be interested to see how well it does for anxiety sort of further down the line, because it takes a while for your brain to like fully nourish itself um, when it's been deficient, which a lot of people are, but yeah, there's, there's there's a few benefits that I've been feeling recently, so I'm happy to promote that, and they haven't even paid me to put that in the podcast, so there you go, doing that for free, for you, and I suppose for me, so I have a better relationship with them. But look, we're all about transparency here. I think that is enough on this book because there are 87 different ways in which you can hack hack your life to make sure that you can focus better on what matters. The last thing of the, of the four sort of pillars of it is reflect, which is about essentially trialling and seeing what works best for you because that's what life is about. It's about seeing what works for you because what works for me might not work for you. But make sure if something doesn't work, you just abandon it because so many people just push, 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 push a door that won't open and it doesn't work for them. And that sucks because then you get disheartened. So be really agile with this. If you're you're trying like a different thing with your diet, Give it three, four weeks. See if it makes you feel more energised. If it doesn't, try something different. Try something else with sleep. Test like when you want to turn your TV off. Is it going to be 8pm? Is it 8.30? Is it 9 o'clock? Okay. Like treat yourself as if you're a bit of a science experiment. Tim Ferriss does that and look at him. He's well successful. That's all, that's all I've got for you today in terms of that. However, I do have a book doctor submission which I'm ever grateful for because it's nice that other people can get involved and stuff on the podcast. So let's hand over to Zibuk Doctor. Hey, Ed, mate. Love the podcast. I need some help from the book doctor. 
because I am soon to start a new job in a different environment and a completely different industry to what I do at the moment. So is there any books that you could recommend that could help with learning to adapt to a new environment, meeting new people and how to kind of work with new people in different kind of personalities um, because there's going to be a lot of that and it's something that I'm not very good at at the moment. Well, firstly, thank you very much for the submission. If anyone else wants a chance to be featured on an episode, get a book bag, some need-to-read goodies and the book that I recommend or voucher for somewhere that you can buy it yourself please send me an email with book doctor in the subject heading and then we'll get you in an episode but as for this one well done for changing environments that's a scary thing to do so congratulations on that well done for being brave well done for putting yourself first and moving from something that might not have worked for you the books i'd recommend Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I think if you're in business, if you're in the like corporate world, that is a must-read for you. It is by Stephen R. Covey. It sold billions of copies, and they used to give it to a lot of the managers that I used to work with. So corporate people love it. In addition to that, I would say Surrounded by Idiots. And I think... I think Thomas Erickson, who wrote um, Surrounded by Idiots, has done one specifically for people within the office called Surrounded by Bad Bosses. Don't take that into work and read it in front of people because they might think that's a little bit weird. But yeah, those two books I think would be really helpful, especially any sort of change in environment. That would definitely be useful. But that is it for me. Thank you again for listening, everyone. You're all absolute legends. And as always, love you, bye.